Good morning, Calvary. Good morning to our podcast listeners as well. I'm excited about this series. For those of you who were here last year, um, we did a similar series in the summer. And if you're going to miss a week or two along the way, I encourage you to listen because um, listen at home at yourcalvary.info because these are going to build. But one of the reasons I'm really excited about this series is kind of a selfish reason. You see, I really try to practice what I preach. And this last set of series have been really trying to dive into the difficult things of your life and pull out the difficult things and move past them. And, and that's not always fun. And so this one is actually something that's going to take us on a journey to intimacy with God. And that gets me really excited. And, and our journey is going to begin in Genesis. Genesis 1, 27, it says this, So God created man in his own image. He created in the image of God. He created them male and female. This idea here is this is where the story uh, begins. This is the verse I read in the Bible more than any other. It is the reason that we are different from the rabbits, different from the trees, different from other living things. See, you and I were made to be first and foremost in a relationship with God himself. That is exciting. And in that relationship, God looked down and he cared for you. And through that relationship, he has always had a plan for you. And when sin entered the world, the relationships became difficult. And even though the relationships became difficult, God had his plan. His name was Jesus. This is what it means to be a Christian. Jesus came down around 2,000 years ago and he lived a perfect life and died and made a way for us to have our relationship with God, which was broken by the choices that we have made to be restored back into a relationship with him both now and into the next life. You see, following Jesus isn't just about going to heaven. It's having the peace, the love, the joy, the kindness, the gentleness, the faithfulness. It's having the spirit of God dwell within us now. God himself wants to dwell with you. Now that's exciting stuff. That is really exciting stuff. If you've never done that, come find us after the service. We want to talk to you about what it means to be in a relationship with God. But what you find is, this is where we're going to transition now, what you find is when God made man in his own image, he looked around and found him in the garden. And when he found him in the garden, he said, uh-oh, man needs something else other than just a relationship with me. In Genesis 2, 20 through 24, I read this in a wedding yesterday. It said, The man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the sky, and to every wild animal. But for the man, no helper was found corresponding to him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over man, and he slept. And God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh at that place. Then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, this one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman, for she was taken from man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. We see from the very beginning that we need community. We were made from community. We were made from each other, made for each other. And this idea of needing each other is, is fundamental and essential because God looked down at you and he said, you know, I'm God and you're not, right? We, we get that. We're not God, right? Well, that's kind of an important thing to understand. And so there's a, a distance in the way that we, we relate it to God. And, and so he gave us other human beings in that story of Adam. He gave them Eve and said, it is not good. You need community. Woohoo! That's good. 
So it makes perfect sense that on our journey to find community, to find intimacy with God, we are going to begin with the discipline of solitude. It's going to be like, what are we talking about? Solitude. Now, when you think of solitude, maybe the first thing you think of is solitary confinement. Solitary confinement is a punishment. Some people call it a cruel punishment. It's the idea of being isolated in such a point that it almost makes you, well, literally crazy. Anybody who remembers the movie Castaway? You're a little old if you do, but if you've seen the movie Castaway or, or your parents are cool and let you watch the Netflix, I don't know. Uh, the reality is if you've seen that movie, there's the, the, Tom Hanks, one of the main characters, is isolated on an island and, and he starts going a little mentally unstable. And so he, he has this volleyball that's a Wilson volleyball and he decorates it and he calls the volleyball Wilson and he talks with Wilson. And spoiler alert, it's an old movie, so if you're mad about this, then, you know, catch up to the 90s. But the reality is when, when you're, he was looking at this, this volleyball and the volleyball starts drifting in the way in the ocean and he goes, no, Wilson. And I was like, oh, this is so sad. His friend is gone. It's not a friend. It's a volleyball. But there was such an inward connection there because he was isolated and we were not made to be alone. So the discipline I want you to understand of finding solitude is difficult. But here's the freeing part. The discipline of solitude is not actually about being alone, but is rather about being alone with God. You see, if you have a relationship with Jesus, then we believe the Holy Spirit comes into your life. And then God himself dwells with you from then on. There is a, a distinct difference of idea of being alone. In fact, when you understand how to develop the Holy Spirit in your life and how to lean into the Holy Spirit, when you spend time nurturing that relationship, when you go on the journey with the intimacy of having God dwell with you every moment of every day, there's nothing this world that can do to take you away from the presence of God. Isn't that cool? That is so cool. Uh, recently, I read an article of a pastor in China who was put in solitary confinement for a really long time, and everybody around him was going crazy. But this pastor was actually able, when they came out, to have like not only his right mind, but seemed to be glorified God. And they're like, what's the deal? You've been in solitary confinement. And he goes, I was never alone. God was with me. And I'm wondering just wondering how often we sit around and we sit there and we go, I feel lonely. Now, if I were to take a survey, no one would want to admit this. And so if, imagine for a moment we have a uh, voluntary um, text survey that is uh, no one, uh, anonymous, okay? And if I said, click one on your phone if you felt lonely in this last week and click two on your phone if you went, I'm good. Now, if some of you are married, some of you are single, some of you live in a house with 32,000 other people, some of you are around people all the time, some of you are introverts, some of you are extroverts, you're old, you're young, I'm not calling you old, you called yourself that, I don't know why I just said that. Um, the reality is, in this room, there's all different walks of people and all different people, but if I were to take that survey, in the last week, did you feel alone at some point, I would dare say that the majority of people would say, yes, I feel alone. 
And it's that loneliness, that longing for community that sometimes propels us forward to do bad things. It, it propels us to be in relationships we know that are bad for us. It propels us to go and try to find uh, uh, social media outlets, right? It's the person who has 3,000 people who are their friends on Facebook. You don't know 3,000 people! Y'all aren't laughing. That was supposed to be funny. That wasn't funny? Okay, I'll... I'll Maybe not. But I have a lot of friends because I'm a pastor and people, but I don't know everybody who's my friend on Facebook. But there's this fear of missing out. There's this fear of if I can only find someone who understands me, if I can only find someone who can relate to me, if, if someone would validate me. And so we long for community. God gave us community to help us find Him. But the only source of community that will ever satisfy you in the way that you will never feel lonely again is diving into an intimate relationship with Him. So we need to practice the discipline of solitude. Why? Well, Mark 1, 35-36 says this, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus, He, got up and went out and made His way to a deserted place and there he was praying. Simon and his companions searched for him. And when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let's go to the neighboring villages so that I might preach there too. This is why I've come. His mission was to go tell everybody how good the father was and to, to say that he has come to now have a relationship with him. He went around preaching and telling everybody of the good news, which we call the gospel. Gospel means good news. The good news of Jesus has come. Your life can now have meaning and the purpose that it was always intended to. You were made in the image of God. All of this can be restored. Yay! But Jesus went alone to be with the Father. And Jesus went alone to be with the Father. Don't you think we should do that? So why don't we go alone? Well, I think one of the reasons we don't go alone is we're scared of prayer. What did Jesus do? He went away to a deserted place and there he was praying. Some of you may not feel like you're very good at praying. If I did another survey and go, how many of you are good at praying? Click one. How many of you are not good at praying? Click two. How many of you know you're not good at praying? Click three. I don't know what you know. The reality is a lot of times I talk to people and they're like, Daniel, I don't know how to pray. And I would sit there and go, we just did a conversation on prayer. We just went through the Lord's Prayer. Go back and listen to that sermon series and, and you'll get some practical tools on how to pray in your life. But there's another underlying thing I want us to understand why we don't get alone with God and pray. We don't get alone with God and pray because we think it's about what we are supposed to say. But you realize prayer is less about talking and more about presence. The purpose of solitude is still being in the presence of God. So think about any relationship. If you're going to have a meaningful relationship, you got to talk. I'm married. I got a ring. I can prove it. <laughs> it's just a ring. I don't know that. But this does not prove that I'm married any more than your bumper sticker on the back of your car proves that you're a go to church. Okay? It just doesn't. The reason that I know that I'm married is I live with her. And in order to live with her effectively, we have to wait for it, communicate, <laughs> right? And so let's imagine that I was married to my wife and I said, guess what, baby? I'm going to talk to you one hour a week, just me and you. <laughs> See you next Sunday. And the next six days, we don't talk at all. No texts, no phone calls, nothing. 
Would we have a good relationship? No. This is the interactive portion of our conversation today. Okay. And so I sit there and I go, okay, we need to have this conversation. So let's say I get it with her and I go, okay, now I'm going to have, a, I'm married to you. So I'm supposed to be in this relationship. Now I'm supposed to talk, but I don't know what to say. Ooh, awkward. Right? No, what makes you married in that relationship, whether it's a marriage relationship or let's say it's with a best friend or let's say it's just in the day-to-day life, is that you have relationships because you want to know what they're thinking. You want to know that they are thinking about you. You want to, to feel connected. And so that's why you have the conversation. Could you have a best friend and never talk to them? No, it's not a best friend. This is the purpose of prayer. When you get alone with God and you find out how much he cares for you, how much he values you, how much he wants to be with you. And hear me, sometimes it's not always easy. So let's get to reasons why we don't get alone in the presence of God. And why we don't, aren't willing to get alone with him and really get to know him like we should. First, we feel the weight of brokenness before God. This is our sin. <laughs> let's say you're a little kid and anybody remember being a little kid and you do something and you're like oh mama doesn't find out about that or let's say i don't know some of you heard me share the story before you're a little kid and you spill a huge glass of coke on a couch that's a week old like i don't know who would do something like that I did. and my dad was not home and i remember saying to my mom some of you heard me say this before mom i'm going to bed why because if i go to sleep then dad won't maybe ever come home and and i love my dad i I wanted to see my dad, and I wanted to go, but I did not want my daddy coming home that night because I was going to have to face the wrath of my poor choice and my actions, right? This is why sometimes we don't get alone with God. It's like, we love our God, but I've made some poor choices. Is he going to But here's what you find is when God comes back home, when you're willing to be in the presence after you've come before him, what I did to my dad was that, Dad, I'm so sorry. Can you imagine what my dad would have done if I said, hey, dad, no big deal, right? You, you, you don't really care that this couch is stained. It's just a piece of furniture. Get over it, old man, right? No, that's not what my reaction was. I was like, dad, I'm so sorry. Please put the belt away, right? And my dad and my brokenness reached his arm around me and said, son, I love you. And when we come before God truly repentant, saying, God, forgive me. We're going to find his love embraces us. Second reason we don't get alone with the presence of God is we are complacent. And complacent, I mean lazy. It's not in the rhythm of our life. We've gotten to the age of 40 and quit learning. We've gotten to the age of 30 and quit learning. We've gotten to the age of nine and quit learning. Because, you know, nine-year-olds know everything, Right? They don't. No, you tell them. And the reality is in this life, there's going to be times when you get complacent in your relationship. And that is a dangerous place to be because the third reason we don't get alone in the presence of God is we've forgotten how to be intimate with God. Happens all the time in love, right? I did a wedding yesterday. And one of the things I always tell the couples before they get married is love is a choice. As the great theologian's DC Talk once taught us, love is a verb. So if you don't know who DC Talk is, that's okay. Wikipedia later. Relationships are a choice, and you have to choose to love. Love is not always a feeling. You will have to fight to maintain the relationship. Which relationship? Every single one. 
Every single one. And your relationship with God is no different. And there's going to be times when you have to, to work it out. And, and, and I think that's super important. But here's something you need to understand. Your relationship with God will shape every other relationship you have. It just will. When you understand and you find your value in the purpose that you are alive, when you are intimate with God, when you understand you were made for this relationship with Him, and instead of trying to go to that man or that woman or that, that boy or that girl or that friend or that, that person who's given you an attaboy or that a girl kind of speech, instead of going around longing for someone to validate your worth, you will be content because you will be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit in your life and you will feel loved by the one who created you. And if you feel loved by the one who created you, then you are able to love others as he has loved you. Do you get it? And maybe just maybe we need to stop blaming our spouses because, well, maybe they are a jerk, but maybe you need to deal with yourself first. Maybe you need to, to stop getting mad at every single person you encounter who is not doing the things the way that you think they should do. Hit the clear button on the microwave, people. It's not that hard, right? Is that just me? Amen. That's a good one to amen. But the reality is in your life, there will be times when you will become angry. And the reason that you are angry isn't because everyone else is not fulfilling you. It's that you have found your fulfillment in the wrong places. Your fulfillment needs to come in your relationship with God. So, have you forgotten how? Maybe you never learned. Let's start the journey again. That's why this is a person hiking. Solitude is hiking, right? It's not, it's not hiking. I'm actually not a hiker. I don't really like hiking that much. I like nature, but if I'm hiking, I like a golf bag on my back, okay? Um, the reality is, though, the reason that this symbol is symbolizing our solitude is because we don't want you to think that solitude means sitting still and just boring. No, the journey that we are going on in a relationship, the journey of intimacy, the journey in the pursuit of God will lead you to places that you cannot even fathom yet. It is exciting. It is wonderful. It is fulfilling. Are you ready to go? So, Here's why we need to do it. First, we need solitude to allow for the recreation of our lives. Recreation. 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 Oh, that's where we get that word. Right? Now, you may not know this, but I went to seminary. I know some of you are shocked. And when I went to seminary, for those of you who don't know what that is, it's Bible school. But anyways, I went there. They actually had a class that they made us take called Church Recreation. Can you imagine a bunch of alpha preacher type people fighting over elbow tag? That's Church Recreation right there, okay? And in that class, Paul Stutz, who was our professor, said the following statement to us. Everything you do, everything you do is either work or rest. Have you ever thought about it? Everything you do is either work or rest. Now, God said you need to rest. So when we look for 
recreation. What we're really doing is we're looking for a way to recreate, allow God to create something new in us because part of us is dying. So you like your skin, part of your skin dies and they has to grow no skin. If you didn't know that, kids, don't be weirded out. Ask mom and dad about it. It's really okay. It's a normal part of the process. I promise. So the reality is part of you needs to grow. Part of you needs to be recreated. Isn't it comforting that God is not done creating something new in you? And so you've never been able to handle worry, let's say. God might create something in you, a power and a faith that will allow you to handle that for the rest of your life. Let's say you've never been able to handle that addiction. God can create something in you through the power of his word to help you lay that addiction aside. Let's say you've never felt fulfilled. You've always been longing. You've always been lonely. God can create something in you through us focusing on him. It's not about you, but in focusing on him as we worship him, we will find fulfillment fulfillment, and God is not done with the muck and the mire of your life. In fact, God wants to extinguish that and allow something by you bringing into his presence, and you find that he is good in everything that is noble and everything that is just. As you focus on him, those things dissipate, and the things that you've never been able to handle, God wants to create in you. That's exciting. Now, here's the problem. We take our recreation and make it into work. We do all that all the time, right? We sit there and we think, I've got to be the best at this. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And hear me, there are people who this is their job. The recreation industry is part of their job, and that's work. But I always wondered, like, when, when I quit playing college golf, I played college golf, I actually enjoyed golf much more. Because it went from feeling like work to fun. And I'm wondering if I could go back and do it later, if I could remember how to enjoy the game that first got me to play instead of making it into a job. But here's the thing. We do this in every aspect of our life. God gives you recreation for the purpose of regenerating and being new. And the only way to have a proper perspective is to be alone with God and to let him regenerate what that purpose is so that when you are alone in solitude and when you go out to recreate, it is refreshing, it is life-giving, it is a source of joy. Second, we need solitude to allow a time for a tune-up of our hearts. One of the oldest Bible illustrations that preachers have said for generations is the story of the lumberjack who the first day on the job set records for how many trees he chopped down with his mighty axe. The second day, he did okay. The third day, he only chopped down like four trees the whole day, which is four more than I could do in a day, but that's not the point. He was a lumberjack. He should be able to do better. And they went to him, and then they had to say, you know what, you're not really cutting it, so we're going to have to let you go. And they said, what happened? The foreman was like, you were our best employee three days ago, and today it's like, you worked hard, but you didn't chop anything. And he goes, what happened? And he goes, well, I'm using the same axe, but it just isn't as effective. And the guy goes, did you ever stop to sharpen your axe? He goes, no, I just kept working. How often do we do that? We just keep going, we keep going, we keep going. And some of you get that illustration. Let me give you another illustration that's even more personal. I called my dad once when I was in college. And I said, Dad, my car is going like this. Now, for those of you who don't know, I'm not Mr. Fix-It. I'm really not that good. I can read really big, thick books and understand big words. My grammar may not show it, but I can. But I'm not good at fixing things, okay? 
And I called my dad and I said, my dad, who was pretty good at this, I said, the car is shaking like this. And every time I hit the brakes, it makes this noise, okay? He goes, well, take it in and have them check the brakes and, and, and rotate the tires. And I said, rotate the tires? What is that? I hadn't rotated the tires in 20,000 miles and there were no brakes on that car. So we had to get new tires and brakes. Why? Because I didn't take the time to tune up my car. Now, we get that about a car, right? We're supposed to tune it up. We're supposed to take care of it. But we take care of our stuff sometimes better than we take care of ourselves. Mamas, hear me. You're working at 150 miles an hour. Life is going everywhere, and the endless list doesn't stop. And you think you're noble by going and being the martyr of the family and sacrificing and working to all ends of the hours. And you go to sleep tired and you wake up going and you're sitting here feeling like I am the champion of the world and you're exhausted and lonely and miserable. And part of it isn't because you aren't working hard enough in your fulfillment of trying to be the best mama you can be. Part of it is you aren't taking care of yourself by being alone with God. Husbands, you do it too. It just looks different. And the reality is if you don't pause, say, but my three-year-old, you might have to get up a little earlier, but my nine-year-old won't leave me alone. Go set them aside and say, mama's going to talk to Jesus. Come get me in 10 minutes when the Google, home Google alarm goes off or the, the microwave goes to zero and make sure you clear that button because that drives mama nuts and come and get me and tell me it's been but I mama needs to be alone with Jesus so that I don't kill you I don't say that so that I can be the best mama who loves you right dads single people the same is for you we need to tune up we also need solitude to allow a replenishment to where we are running low you know what else went in? When I took my car in, they said, you have very, very little coolant in Texas in the summer. Are you supposed to put more coolant in the car? I just thought the coolant's... No, you have to be filled with something new. Do you know why the church crashes out, why pastors burn out? Because they're so long, so busy studying. They don't spend time alone with God. They don't stop and pause. They don't, if, if I can do that, I know you can. We're so busy living life. And hear me, noble people who are trying to follow Jesus go around and try to live for, and they try to do all the things. And you could try to be the best mom, and the best dad, or the, the best uh, friend, or the best worker in the world. But if you don't ever stop and allow Christ to fill you up with something new, tweak what needs to be tweaked, and recreate something that allows God to do something mighty in your life, you will go and burn out. Period. But when you get alone in the presence of God, and he begins to fill you up and he takes you on a new journey and he, he guides you and guards you. And when you come to the place where you understand what this looks like, then all of a sudden you become a person who is in tune with the, the spirit of God and he begins to guide you and he begins to direct you if you're willing to listen. So what does that look like? Well, it looks like you having to be willing to listen. Now hear me. Just because you hear from God doesn't mean you're always going to do it. Yesterday I had an argument with God in the car. I was driving somewhere and God said, I want you to turn around and go that way. And I was like, I don't want to go that way. Saturday. He's like, I told you to go that way. I was like, but I don't want to. Go that way, Daniel. I don't want to. At this point, I'm like two and a half miles later. And he goes, go that way. 
Now, it wasn't audible, but the reality is I sunk in and I knew clearly God was telling me to do it, so I did it, and I knew I had two choices. I could either go that way or I could go my own way and later regret it. I've, I've, I've learned it. I've learned it over and over again. So I finally said, okay, I'm going to go, and I'm glad I did. Now, here's another reason why we don't do this, because when we learn the voice of God, it means we have to actually listen and do it. But here's the cool part. When you follow God's direction for your life, in other words, you go on the trail, and you stay on the trail instead of going, I don't want to stay on the trail. I want to go over there where all the ticks and the poison ivy and the bears and the mountain lions are. It's amazingly a lot safer to stay on the trail that God wants you to go. And then you enjoy the nature that God intended as you stay on the trail and the path that God wants you to go, even though it may not be the direction you want to go. But as you're progressing in that, you will find the peace, you will find the presence, and you actually have to think a whole lot less because God is directing you. When you learn to submit and free yourself to go where God wants you to go, it is the most freeing thing you can experience. It's where you'll find community and love and hope, and it begins with starting with the journey of being alone with God. So how do we practice this? couple things. This is a tool. It's not the, there's many ways to practice solitude. You can use a screwdriver or you can use a drill. This is the way to use the drill to practice solitude instead of having to use a screwdriver. A couple of techniques on how to practice solitude. Just get in the same place every time and leave the distractions behind. Sometimes that means you got to go like this. I'm notorious. If I'm in a moment of solitude and I have my phone and the phone goes bing, I'm like, oh, my wife's driving. She's probably broken on the side of the road and needs me to come rescue her right now. Then I check it. And it's like, no, it's a, something totally different, right? I'm like, oh, sometimes I need to leave my phone in another room. So how do I know that the time's up? Because you want me to spend 10 minutes alone with God. How will I know? Once again, someone will let you know when that 10 minutes comes, or you can set an alarm in another room for 10 minutes. Go spend 10 minutes, a reasonable goal. Why? Because you'll feel like a failure if you don't do it. <laughs> I want you to sit 10 minutes alone with God. Now, hear me. I want you to read your Bible because it's God's Word. But for that 10 minutes, I don't even want you to take your Bible. Get alone with God. And then start by telling God exactly how you feel. And then be still. What do you mean, how I feel? Maybe for some of you it's, God, I don't know what to say. But the preacher, who doesn't like me to call him preacher, he likes me to call him Daniel, the preacher told me to say this. He told me to come before you and say, we're starting this journey and I don't really know what to do. And then stay with it. That may be the most important thing. Do y'all know that I'm a weightlifter? Why are you laughing? I've lifted weights at least three times in my life. Maybe four. I am by definition a weightlifter. Can't you tell? I mean, I'm swole, right? Is that still a thing to say swole? I don't know. Thanks, Sean. I appreciate it. Um, I know, Sean, you think I'm swole, and I appreciate that about your heart, too. But the reality is, you can look at me and tell I'm not really a weightlifter, right? But sometimes this is how we practice our faith. You know, I, I, I'm a Christian. I've been to church at least four times this year. Well, it doesn't really show. I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. I, we don't develop the discipline. If you want to be a weightlifter, guess what you have to do? Lift weights. And if you were expecting to lift weights two times and go, whoa, it's working, find another hobby. In your relationship with God, it may be frustrating for a season until you learn to walk with God. Sit still and wait. So here's our Monday morning application. 
I have two of them this week. One's personal, one's for a family. And your family, once again, is whatever unit. If you're living with three other college students, practice it there if they're willing. If you're living with your best friend, practice it there. If you're living in a, a, a single mom, practice it there. But do this. But the, the, the single one, for the one I want you to practice, is spend 10 minutes a day in solitude with God. Try to go to the same place. Your bed is probably not the right place. Right? 10 minutes alone with God. Try to go to the same place. I love the Harry Potter closet in our house. Some of you know what that means. The family Monday morning application is set a time where everyone in the house is technology free and all the kids in the room went, no! Right? For those old enough, encourage them to practice solitude and come together at the conclusion and continue with the family devotion that we started last week. Now, how long should we be technology free? Parents, you get to decide. Because believe it or not, you're the parents. So some of you may be 10 minutes. Some of you may be two hours. And some of the kids are like, Pastor, stop talking now, right? And you can blame me, parents. Daniel told me, and I talked to him afterwards, and he said it should be six hours straight. But get alone and stop letting the distractions of this world take you away. Why? Because we know that the world wants to tell you how to be and what to do and go. But the answer is being resting in the presence of God. So we know his cross is enough, but we have to pray God be with us. We have to long for his presence. So would you go on this journey with me? Come back over the next few weeks as we continue the journey together. God, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives and our church. And we pray that we would draw closer to you. That as we discipline ourselves, we would find more and more of your presence. What it means to be your child. Guard us, guide us. And help us as we grow to sense you. And God, for many, this is a scary thing, being 10 minutes alone with you. God, help us to not be afraid of it, to embrace it, to allow you to speak into our lives, and then may we go out and change the world. For your name, your holy name we pray. Amen.